This episode of Rockcast is brought to you by rock sponsor Subsplash. Subsplash is a technology company that provides software solutions for churches and nonprofit organizations. Connect with Subsplash today at rockrms.com slash sponsors. Welcome to our first Rock Podcast. We know there are a lot of questions about the application out there. You guys have sent some to us. We want to answer all of them and give you some other details behind the scenes that we have, too. Um, First off, let's start with some quick introductions. So I'm John Edmondson. I work at uh, CCV. I've been here about 12 years, and I'm kind of helping with the project management and just kind of leading up some of the project coordination. Um, But I also work on creating ideas for Rock and and doing a lot of the design, the CSS and HTML work, and some uh, coding, uh, very light coding. And I'm David Turner. I also work at CCV with John. Uh, Primarily a developer, working a lot on coding the framework for Rock and uh, just doing a lot of the um, underlying code. I'm Nick Erdo. I work at Central Christian Church of Arizona. And uh, besides community evangelist, I do a little bit of coding, and I'll be working on uh, documentation as well. And I'm Emily Foreman. I work at CCV as well, and I recently came on board in communications to help out with newsletters, social media, some documentation, and making sure the money is all organized. So is this everybody who's working on Rock? That's a good question. This actually the, 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 the three of us um, are really the, the founders of the project. So we've been around working on this project for you know, three or four years. But there's a lot of other people contributing to the, to the project. Here at CCV, we have Mike Peterson, who's been doing an outstanding job uh, doing a lot of the framework coding uh, with David. And there's other churches, too, who are, are doing work um, over at Central. Uh, Jason Offit's uh, contributed a lot over the last two years. Um, we also have over at New Spring um, uh, two developers who are doing a great job, and then Southeast also has a developer who's doing some work. So it's, this isn't the whole thing. It's just uh, we've been around the longest uh, on, the, on the project. So it's a pretty good-sized team. Mm-hmm. John, can you give us a bit of background on how the Rock Project got started? Yeah, so this project, even though we're getting near the, the point where we can actually release it, it's been around for so, such a long time. And it really started, I think, in my mind, 10 years ago. David and I have been working together for 10 years, over 10 years here at CCV, and we've been writing software for CCV. We never really had dreams of, of writing full systems to manage churches. We just had these little niche applications that needed to be written, um, and it just kind of morphed into something that was just really big. And uh, other churches wanted to, to use what we were using back then, and, and uh, we released that um, uh, as a commercial project. Uh, project. It's now like the foundation of a commercial project that a lot of people use today, and and that's great, and, and, and a lot of people are happy with that. Um, but we now see that that was 10 years ago. Code has obviously changed. Technology has changed. I mean, the world is completely different, and, and we want to uh, start building something new. About four years ago, we kind of saw we want something new. We want to, to embrace some of these newer technologies. But we also have a passion for helping churches, and a lot of churches, sometimes they can't afford some of the commercial projects out there. You know, they're great products, but they you know, at the end of the day, they still cost money. And a lot of churches, especially small churches, they really can't afford that. Um, so we just saw a unique opportunity to not only embrace some new technology, but then also to help churches um, be able to use this technology. So four years ago, we started out, um, you know, trying to do this. Um, Rock really kind of was born out of uh, the ashes of, of one attempt of that. Um, so the last three years we've been working on what is now uh, Rock. And if I could just add to that, getting back to the history and you know open source, I would say that I probably put the bug in John's ear years ago too as I would call from the other side of the valley asking John to share some code and he would always be very willing. Um, this is pr- you know eight, nine years ago. And uh, I think that kind of helped start some of these like ideas of sharing. Definitely, definitely. And it started out um, with Rock being a church management system, but it's recently we've changed the name from Rock CHMS to RMS. So why do we have that change? That's that's good. That's a good question. Um, we've actually we're a big proponent 
for the longest time pushing this new concept of CHMS back when there was no concept of that. And we still love that 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 category. I think that's the best term for that. And by changing it, we're not trying to be fancy. We're not trying to be cool. We're not trying to say, no, we're starting a whole new thing. It's really something that kind of grew in our hearts, and I think is this kind of like a God direction. Um, you know, first of all, I think we all, as, a, as, as church leaders, we all read articles, we all read books about how the church should, you know, really be the, the, um, the creation and, and, and having a bigger impact in culture, in, in arts and music and in technology. And, and so we kind of had this thought that, you know, as we're working on Rock, it can be used in so many different other ways other than churches, so many different other organizations, whether they be like para-ministries or even, you know, I think about this, I think about, you know, the dance studio down, down the street or the swim school that's right next to it or basically any organization that has, that manages people. You know, um, even I have family members who manage um, groups of doctors in a nonprofit um, that they have. And I keep thinking, gosh, this technology and this tool is perfect for them. Now, our passion is, is to help churches. But why put a lid on, on that software by just a name? Um, you know, I kind of picture, you know, the guy down the street who runs maybe the dance studio um, saying, you know, maybe one of the attendees goes, hey, my church has this software. You could use it. And he goes and tells his maybe his his boss, and it's like, well, it's a church management system, but you know we could use it here too. I mean, that boss would be like, no way. I mean, you've already put a lid on it, yeah. right. just by four letters, you know. So why not open it up? Why not um, take that off? And and hopefully then, as all these churches, as hopefully hundreds of churches, thousands of churches start using this software, now that staff that's very well versed in the software can then go out into their community and help them use the software, I think that's very powerful. And it, it kind of is a good testimony to what, you know, by working on the software in God's name, it can be used out throughout the whole community. In no way are we backing away from churches, though. Right, that's and, what I wanted to highlight. Right. And Nick's been, you know, very passionate about making sure we don't get off that. You know, it'd be easy to kind of lose... Focus. Focus, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, I've heard enough stories to that would show if you lose your focus on what God put in your heart to do... You know, it will be a disaster. So we know that, and we are not going to lose focus. We're still going to be focusing on church management needs. Right. And I think one of the things that is interesting in this project is because there's no cost for the project, there's no way of like, like getting sales. Like, oh, wait, there's more sales over in the, in the dance studio market. It really isn't. Like, it's all free. So, But we, don't, we can't lose focus. And there um, have been a lot of other churches involved so far, haven't there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of churches are asking for this. You know, it's it's amazing how many emails we do get on a daily basis asking for updates. Um, um, but we don't want to lose the focus on on churches and and para ministries. I mean, I think there's a lot of mission organizations that could use this, mm-hmm. and that's great. And in fact, we had a um, this isn't a mission organization, but another organization came in. They do um, uh, policy legislation here in Arizona. It's basically donor management. This product is perfect for them uh, they happen to be a very christian based so that you know the, the church word may not scare them off but um a lot of other places it would so that was really the 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 whole reason to change it and i think it does also give us a better f- descriptor of what we work on church management sometimes when we, when we work in church management they people will say well, what about the facility management i want to hook this into my hvac i want to be able to control you know scheduling of rooms you know, that's important. That's good. I'm not saying we'll never do that, but we really focus more on the relationship side. We always have working at CCV. If two features come to us in, in the pipeline and one is going to help understand member and attendee data better and one's going to help maybe understand, you know, internal room scheduling for the staff, we're always going to work on the feature that has the impact uh, to the member and attendee. Um, and I think the term RMS, which stands for Relationship Management System, is a better descriptor of what's in our hearts and what's, what, what features are going to get more work done. That's not to say that it will never do HVAC, but that's certainly not on the roadmap. <laughs> sure. That's yeah. not the primary point. Right. Okay. So what can churches do to get ready for rock? Well, that, that's a good question. Uh, I've already started working with some churches that have been asking questions, and uh, what I've been telling them is, Make sure you understand how your church functions. Like, in other words, how do people's names get into your spreadsheet or your database? Um, doc, start documenting all those different input uh, 
places, whether it's a card or some form on a, on a website, get all that in order. Um, that's probably the first thing that will take them a while to do. Um, next, I would say start identifying people. Who, who is it that's going to, to be the one who actually does the install? Frequently, we're being asked um, by higher level people that maybe aren't even as technical. And they'll need to have some administrative assistant help them with part of that. So basically assembling their team. And um, we have a document that's, is it available now, John? It will be very soon, like in the next few days. Okay, so very shortly here after this podcast, there's a document on the website that we'll announce at some point um, where they can download this document. It's called Preparing for Rock. Read through that, understand your hosting options, um, anything else, John, that I should add about? Well, I think, you know, the, the one question we hear all the time, and we all hear this, is when will Rock be ready? And that's the wrong question. It's like, when will you be ready? I mean, because they, 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 they want the date, and then they're going to wait for the date. And that's the wrong approach. It's like like Nick said, get your house in order, get get all those, get that team together, find out, well, what do you want to use Rock for? Don't wait for the software to release, and then figure out what it does. I think that's what this document's really going to help with. Is just trying to give you some pre-steps to kind of, you know, what what do you what do you need to be doing today? It'll also have, you know, we had some questions come in. I think too about server scaling. It's a great question. The the document covers that. It has uh, different scaling options for different sized churches and some and some you know server specs for that kind of stuff. So when you're thinking of getting your team together, does that mean just the IT team at your church? Is it all for high tech people? Uh, no, I mean, certainly you'll need the people that understand how the church works. Like um, at Central, there was a person who, when I first joined that church, she knew how, how everything worked. She understood all the processes, but it was all in her mind. So if that's not you, you need to partner with that person. They're going to be instrumental in the success of Rock at, at your church. So I think the better question might be not when is Rock going to be ready, but when will you when will your church be ready for rock right and, and and if 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 you're still in the mindset of waiting for that release date to get started i, I would say you're not setting yourself up for success i'm not saying you're going to fail but you're not setting yourself yourself up for success i'm hoping this document will kind of give you the ideas of you know who who to bring to a table and and talk and um but if you're thinking like that you might really Definitely read the document, you know, and, and, and implement it and some of the recommendations. Sounds like a good plan. What new technologies can we expect to see in Rock? I've been getting this question quite a bit mm-hmm. on social media lately, and, and everybody wants to know, what am I going to see when it first comes out? Uh, well, Rock is Rock's written using the Microsoft stack. So it's a C-sharp application. It's using... Everything new, the latest from Microsoft, Entity Framework, SQL Server, .NET. Um, But that said, I mean, I think we've done a good job of kind of looking at technologies and really evaluating whether it makes sense to use it. Um, We're not always just chasing something because it's shiny and bright. Um, We really filter through and look at what makes sense for us. In fact, John mentioned that Rock came out of the ashes of another application. We had started... We had gone down the road of PHP and for various reasons um, settled on the Microsoft um, framework. Um, But, you know, again, you're not really going to see the plumbing when you see Rock. You're going to see an application that um, is extensible and um, we've done, we've tried to really make it so that it's streamlined and um, it doesn't really matter what's underneath as long as it's working performance wise. Performance wise. Yeah. Um, but think some people get really tied up with that. Like a lot of times, you talk to like some technology people in the church, and they're like, "Well, why? Why did you choose Microsoft?" It's, it's like, well, first of all, like why not? But you know, my background coming out of the corporate world is very Unix based. I know Nix is yep. is pretty much the same too. And we're not we're not like Microsoft, and that's only that's the only thing we see. We've tried other things. Like David said, we went deep into PHP, and we got actually pretty long ways and turn back because of some of the benefits that we got out of the Microsoft stack. So we just didn't go to it because that's all we know. In fact, I think that's one thing I'm proud about the developers that we do have is we're not stuck in in a rut. But people get really bent out of shape, I guess, when they find out, well, it's Microsoft. And, and the kind of thing I throw back it is, you know, if you're building a house and, you're, and the carpenter shows up with the tools, do you, do you measure the carpenter by what tools he brings to, to the job site? Or do you measure by when he's done, what does it look like, and how does it work? 
Um, and I think Microsoft's tools are actually much better than they get credit for. I'm not a huge Microsoft fan, but when it comes to their development tools and, and their technologies, that's one thing you have to give them credit for. They have great development tools. Um, so I hope people will keep that in mind and really judge it on the quality of the build. Not did we show up with you know, a Black & Decker tool versus a Makita or a Bosch. It, it shouldn't matter. And in my mind, the, the Microsoft tools um, are, are much better than they get credit for. And obviously, this answer is like really focused on like the developer side of, of the equation. And uh, you know, to that end, we're also embracing HTML5, CSS3. In another very cool, you can call it technology, Bootstrap, um, we even started with, was it Bootstrap 2.3 or 2.2? And we took the the uh, hit recently, a few months back, and moved up to Bootstrap 3 because we thought this is going to be a better place to be standing on uh, once, once we release Rock. But Bootstrap 3 um, is just going to give developers just a lot of uh, flexibility. And um, basically, let me say it this way, you'll be able to create things that look better right out of the box mm-hmm. without having to... Because uh, a lot of developers aren't great designers. So... I think right away something like Bootstrap 3 is going to help tremendously um, in that area. And, and if you don't like the, the, the .NET stack, I mean, from day one, there's a, there's a REST API that you can get access to any, any of the data. I mean, that was we didn't tack on a REST API at the end. It, it was baked in from day one. So. And we're also taking steps to make it easier for people who aren't .NET developers. So... To extend or to add on to Rock, we're trying to make that, especially for a web developer, um, as easy as possible so they don't need to know or be intimate with the .NET framework. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you know PHP, don't feel intimidated. You can definitely write parts and pieces for Rock. Mm -hmm. We'll guide you into from PHP to to, uh, Rock development. Don't worry about it being a .NET thing. Right, and a lot of that, you can even do that on a Mac. You don't even have to have Visual Studio. You don't have to do it on, on a PC. I mean, for the longest time, I was 100% Mac, and I was still doing rock development. Right. Yeah. Sounds like that is a step you guys have taken to make it really accessible to churches of all sizes who may not have the same level of development staff. Yeah, and we, and we do have, I mean, I'm a Mac lover too, so, I mean, we're, we have the Mac love going. So what about support? How are we planning to support this application? Yeah, that's, I think, one of the things that kept this from happening for so long. I think it was eight years ago when I was asking John, John, you know, you should let, you should put this out in the wild. You should release this, um, this some cool stuff you got here. And he's like, well, you know, I really don't want to have to worry about support. So, you know, we, we're very aware of that issue. Um, but we also know that there's very successful models out there to follow. Like, for example, WordPress, the blogging engine. Um, who supports that? Who do you call when your WordPress blog is broken? We're basically going to do that same thing. Well, you call your technical friend who, down the street who, who knows this stuff. Um, you can lean on the community. We're spending a large part of the, these last few months here creating tools, um, not me personally, mostly David, tools to manage like questions and answers. Um, what else am I missing on that, John? Well, is, you know, I think there's a there's a two technologies or two things we hope to, to fill in the support gap. One is great documentation, and and we don't see documentation as something you just do at the end. We've been talking about documentation from like day one, and how much in general computer documentation, technology documentation stinks, and what can we do about that? So we're really spending a lot of time strategizing on documentation and writing good documentation in a in a voice that, that that's fun to read, but still gets the point across and doesn't insult your intelligence. Like, don't tell me push button one, then button button two, and then button three. Tell me, first of all, what does this thing do, and do I even need this function? So we're working really hard on that. And then we have the Q&A site and the, and the community site um, to follow up. And we, we are working to hopefully create an ecosystem of other vendors who, if you really want to pay someone to support this, well, maybe maybe there's a, a couple of vendors you could select it who will come as- alongside you, and, and you can pay them, and they'll do support for you. The cool thing is if you if you also don't like that vendor, you can fire them and go get a different vendor and use the same software. I mean, what other 
you know, software out there can you do that with that where you can say usually it's tied. The support and the and the product are tied and and and, and married together, and you can't split that. Right, and that is, we've even already had um, companies approach us to say they wanted to provide either rock support or rock turnkey solutions. So we know that's not just a pipe dream. And I, I think we can also safely say that we're not going to be providing that at the Spark Development Network level. So there really isn't going to be a fear of what you've seen with some other systems where they give away part of the system for free, but if you want the pro version, you've got to pay. And that comes with support and all these other things. We don't really believe in that model. We want it the product to be free and let an ecosystem, a marketplace, develop and flourish that can provide those options, support, turnkey solutions, third-party development. And, and really the community. I mean, the best knowledge in any product is it's inside the, the, the users of the product, right? Like the people on tech support usually, they don't really use it like the same way, right? They're not eating their own dog food is how we kind of say it. So um, <laughs> right. the, the users actually know more than the, the people doing support, but the problem is all that knowledge is stuck in people's heads. We're you know, writing these tools to get that knowledge out so you can ask questions and the community can answer them, and then everybody else can go you know, read them. It's it's just like Stack Overflow. It's, it's what we're kind of cloning our, our question and answer on, and, and every programmer pretty much all day is on this one website called, called Stack Overflow where they're getting questions and answers. Um, you know, the other thing I throw out there, too, is like when I talk with other churches and in, in, in almost any organization that has software, what is the value of your support anyways? I mean, everybody complains about support, how it's not worth it. So, <laughs> and, and really, what is support? It's a way of companies can get money constantly from you. Once you buy the product, I mean, they need to keep the revenue coming in, right? So it's called support. Now, there's some value to that, and some depending on the organization, there's more than others, but you know, everybody complains about support and how much it costs. I mean, well, are we doing a service by not even having support? We're <laughs> <laughs> yeah. taking away a cost, and, and and you're still getting you know the same amount of value probably. So, and and one of the things you'll see on the website is we, we don't even we try not to even mention the word support. You know, it's like if you have a question, ask it. That's what's called ask. And if you want to, if you want to know more about the product, learn. Go to the documentation and learn. Right, that's a really important part. Um, you know, the documentation is not something that you can just not read. If you're going to be a developer and you want to learn how to do things in Rock, you, you really just need to pour through the documentation. And we're we realize that you know reading documentation can be a drag, but if you really want to take advantage of the system. You just have to do it. You're just going to sit down and, and have to read. Now, we're doing everything we can to make those documents fun to read and, uh, and light. And um, is there anything else I should say about that? Well, I, th- I think maybe some of my, a few of my jokes in the documentation are being pulled out. I think a few too many of my jokes oh, are being okay. canceled out. So we might need to add some of those back. There's <laughs> a good reason for that. So. <laughs> nice. The editing process mm-hmm. might be helpful to the end user on this one. Well, that's where you're adding a lot of value right now. <laughs> we'll I, see. I think, too, I mean, with Rock, the documentation is not an afterthought. I mean, it's amazing how much thought and effort um, and even development coding is going into just providing a um, valuable resource for learning. I mean, it's it's going to be, I mean, I think documentation is going to surprise people just as much as the product. Yeah, we, for the early months, we were all using the documentation. You know, as we'd learn something, we would document it. So that first version, uh, a draft of documentation we used, but yeah, it was very rough and messy. And, you know, we're evolving that. We've done a couple of evolutions, and this third evolution will be, very, I think, very clean. When you're talking about documents in plural, are we talking about uh, stacks of three and four inch thick books or binders <laughs> or what What are we talking about here? Let's break it down. Well, they're reusable because, you know, the heavier the book, the more things you can do with it. <laughs> door stops? Your, yeah, door stops. Keep your desk, you know, from falling down. It's pretty handy. Thanks. So, but no, no, we, we actually take a different approach. We actually split our documents or our, or our documentation into little books. So when you when we go to the website, um, when we release the website, you're going to see all the different covers. It's like, kind of like walking into a Barnes and Noble and you see all the different book covers and they all look different, you know. So we added some some life and some character to each each book, um, so it doesn't look like a stale, you know, um, uh, documentation. I know I used to work for Honeywell and we made jet engines uh, for for uh, um, like business class jets, and we always kind of joked and it was true. 
we actually shipped more documentation by weight than the engine. Wow. Oh, wow. And that was all nice because it all looked the same. But I was like, well, how do you pick which book you're supposed to read? You know, you, you, that half the time was just trying to figure out what book you needed to open. So this is totally different. It's, each book it has, has a character and has a, a, a unique cover. Um, so it, it's, we can't wait for people to actually see it and read it. I was reading just the first book that we're about to release, The Planning for Rock, and I was just reading the final draft uh, You know, after seeing it all polished, and it just read so well. I was so impressed with what you'd done, uh, Emily, on getting that book ready for, for final release. I'm pretty excited about it. I'm not a technical person by my background, but reading through that book, and I know it's the first one and probably the least technical, but it wasn't a difficult read for me, so That's good. I think it's good. So another really popular question we've been getting on social media um, and email has been, what features will I see in the beta? David, why don't you fill us in on that? All right. Well, at the root, Rock, like we've mentioned, is, is about people. Um, and the relationships between each other. So that's really going to be the primary focus of the beta or what you're going to see in the beta. You're going to see um, the ability to um, enter information about your people, um, and their families, their relationships. And anytime two people are related, we put those in a group. Um, so we, get, we can build on a lot of different functionality because everything at the root is a group. Um, so person-family management, group management, and then reporting on um, on those people is really going to be the focus of the beta. But that said, there's a lot of other functionality we've we have in there. Uh, we're just not giving it the uh, stamp of approval to say that it's um, prime time yet. Um, contributions, um, check-in, content management, while it all functions. Um, we still, you know, we still want to document it a little bit better uh, before we really say it's um, prime time. But I mean, for those that want to get around and kind of poker, look at it, it's there to look at. Um, but primarily, it's person, family management, reporting groups is what you're going to see. You know, yeah, I think the most important thing is to realize what is it? It's a beta, so it's it's something that you can get started with. Um, some things you can actually use in production, like get all your people in it, but at the same time realize it still is a beta. Right. So when would, would we expect new features to be added to, uh, you know, let's say the first, we get through the beta and the first release is mostly going to be everything that's really working in the beta, right? Or mm-hmm. And then how long do we have to wait for new features? Well, I think that's one of the, the coolest things about Rock is... Um, We've put a lot of time in the, into the things that usually are just tacked on at the end of a project. So, you know, it has a great installer that's really easy to use. But when you're done with that, you're done because there's an auto-update feature built into Rock. So as new features come on, it'll automatically know that, hey, there's a, there's a new release. It's a one-button click, and you get all of those features. So it's super, super easy to keep updated. Um, and so we believe in, the, in kind of the methodology of, you know, release early, release often. Um, we're not going to bug you with like a daily, but hey, as soon as the new feature is ready, let's get it for you. Um, let's not have to wait a year and then you get all these like big bundle of, of features. Let's just kind of give you the features as they're ready. So you're, you can progress from the beta into version 1.0 super easy. It's just button click. Um, and as we get stuff beyond 1.0, and we've actually put a lot of thought, and it's kind of crazy to keep saying that. We put a lot of thought on how we, we, how we even name our releases and the generation of releases. Mm. We won't get into too detail on that, but you know, we spent time thinking about these things um, so that they're understandable and that they make sense and that we don't break things. Like, we're really, really worried about breaking things because we've used a lot of software um, in our lives and our careers where every time you want an update, you break everything. And especially as developers, that's very frustrating when you've written some plugin for, for it and now your customer updated and, and now your plugin broke. Um, not, not to say that that's 100% when that's not going to happen, but that's not going to be intentional. Like we've really put a lot of thought in, the, in, the, in the protecting not only the designers who design themes for this, but also the developers who develop plugins. So, um, so as a basic user, if there's an update that needs to happen, I'll be notified that it's there, and I just click a button and it happens? Like in the beta, you, you'll probably have to go to a certain screen and, and look for the update and then hit, okay. hit update. In the future, yeah, there'll be like a little notification thing that kind of like 
pulses at you or something that says, hey, there's an update to kind of warn you. But we'll also have the newsletter and a, and a lot of different communication mediums just to kind of remind people that the mm-hmm. updates are there. Um, but the uh, the nice visual notification of an update, you know, may not be there in the beta, but all you have to do is go to a, a certain page. It'll go check. Oh, yep, you have an update. Would you like me to install it? You hit one button, boom. In fact, today it's kind of interesting. We're, we're actually making our um, really our first biggest update to our alpha release that we're using internally. Um, the the Spark site, the Rock site, um, are all running on Rock, which is you know we be, again we believe in eating our own dog food. So as much as we can, we're using um, the tools, our own tools, to run um, the the whole uh, Spark development network. And and how much did we learn in doing that? You know, just using our own tools, we realized, oh, we've got to we've got to deal with this, and we've got to fix that. Right. Which is really important. Which is why we we definitely insist on using the software. Right. For, I mean, there'll be a certain cases where we just don't have that yet, that feature yet. So. You know, we, you might see a few things that we go out and do. Like uh, initially donations, we won't be using the rock donations for that. That's not really a, a, a caricature of the software. It's more of a making. So... Um, as soon as, I, as soon as our banking's all figured out and we got all the merchant accounts and everything ready, then we'll use it. So, And, and, and in cases where there, there really isn't a feature that it exists, we'll write it eventually. Um, so we're really passionate about using our own dog food. Sounds delicious. <laughs> <laughs> it's usually not in the beginning, but it makes it more delicious for the person who gets to use it after that we have to use it. Yeah. Okay, I will take your word for that. So Rock is open source. What does that mean exactly to churches? Well, I, I always thought I knew what it meant, but you know, in talking to other people, I realized um, I, my, my viewpoint was a l- little different. But uh, it's it's free, so that's part of the equation, in my opinion. You know, it's free. The source is actually available. You can go get the source. Um, you can make changes to your version of the source if you wanted to be that brave. Of course, we'd never really encourage you to to fork the project and do your own thing. But all that source code's available. If something happens to one person, um, there are many other people that can step up and continue running. Um, and working this, even the organization, the Spark Development Network. Um, it's going to mean that if you found a bug, you, you could probably fix it yourself. If you if you are so skilled and you wanted to fix it like this hour and it would take us till tomorrow, you could probably do that. I think that's going to be one of the potential benefits. Um, it's one of the things that was exciting to me um, when I first started thinking about this project because project, I've been involved in other scenarios where I saw the, the problem. I could fix it, but I couldn't fix it because I didn't have the source code. Um, we also worked hard um, to find a very expensive, I mean a very excellent <laughs> lawyer. Excellent lawyer, yes. To help us through the legal aspects um, so that what we provide to you is completely reusable. You could take that code and you could even create a product on it that you can then charge for. Um, our licensing is very open. It lets you basically do whatever you want. I mean, am I understating that? No, in fact, you know, funny story working with this lawyer. He's uber talented. But he said this was a, a unique project for him because usually in his work, people are either trying to protect it so you can't do anything with it and you can never see anything about it, or they go the other way. I want it to be so open, but I don't want anybody to be able to, like, profit or commercialize it in any way. He goes, you guys are right in the middle in this, in this strange space where you said, hey, we want this to be open, and we don't really care what anybody does with it. In fact, we, we really care that someone could commercialize this if they wanted to. We have no interest in doing that. But we want it to be so open that there is no limit on what you could do. Um, and, you know, we were talking about this with some of our interns uh, a few months ago, and they're saying, but don't, aren't you worried about someone commercializing it and then taking it away? And no, we're not. Um, if someone wants to do that, they can do that. Is that wise? Probably not. But... I think it does two things. One, it protects the church. Like if we all of a sudden go off the deep end and, and start having these really dumb ideas, the churches can say, no, we don't like this. Let's take our source. Let's all group together and let's do something else. So God has the ability to take his hand off this project and give it to somebody else. Easily, yeah. Very easily. I mean, it's just a download and, and, you, and you got that. So that, that that's protection for the churches. 
for us, if, if someone wants to compete that way, I mean, go ahead. I mean, if you, good it, luck. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if you can do it better than us, you would have done it already, right? Right. So, but then again, there's the humility part of it too. Like, if well, we, if we start messing up, someone else can easily take our place in in in, in running this. They just download it, rename it, and and they're off to the races. Right. And when I said good luck, obviously I'm kidding. Uh, um, what I really mean is, yeah, you'll still be competing with this team, and this team. You know, not not including me. These guys are amazing. They're pro- probably the uh, some of the best workers I've worked with in my entire career. Um, the stuff that they think of and the output they create is going to be a challenge, r- really, to um, any other organization that would try and compete against this rock team, which I'm I'm just grateful to be on. Yeah, and if if we don't if we don't raise the bar, and if we if the bar gets lowered anyway, we, there's still the easy option for churches to bail out on us and still keep the software still go a different direction with it. So I think everybody, you know, is protected in this. But it, it really rocked his world because I've never seen someone who wanted to make sure that it was as easy to steal away from you as possible. I mean, that's basically what you're, we were saying to him. And he's like, he was very refreshed by that, you know. So he kind of said, only in a church would you have that kind of, like, philosophy. Let's talk about the development side a little bit. What's been the biggest challenge, David? Uh, well, probably just starting with nothing. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, just it has it. It's it's been what four years? So just mm-hmm. just you know, kind of piecing everything together. Um, and again, it's all new. It's a lot of new technology, and not just technology as far as coding languages or. But just services. I mean, GitHub, Entity Framework. Um, you know, we're, we're we're all learning a lot through this whole process. So just, I mean, expanding our knowledge has been probably the biggest challenge. Um, but if I were probably pick one area, it'd probably be the way we did reporting. Um, we have a very dynamic um, implementation of reporting using something called expression. Um, queries and uh, just kind of getting your head wrapped around that just so that it can be so easily extended by anybody um, was probably my biggest challenge um, but it, it does it, it's it's given us a, um, a way that if we don't have something you want to query on or include in a report it's really easy to add it um, so and then that just kind of getting you know keeping the train going full speed is you know it's all it's all it's all been a challenge you can see that there's a lot of frustrations too like in you know when this when a system's already built you're very productive because you can mm-hmm. if you ha- if you want to do feature a huh. you just do feature a now if i go to dave and say hey we need to write feature a he's like that's great but i but before i can even work on feature a i have to create a foundation for that feature to rest on and so you feel very unproductive at times. I mean, there's been dips, like I think in our in our you know uh, enthusiasm at times, because it's just like you feel like you're walking through a muddy pit, and you're just like pulling and pulling and pulling. And now that we're getting to the end, it's getting more productive, and we're it's starting to get a little bit more that way. We still have you know still a lot of foundational stuff to do. You know, I kind of picture of it as an iceberg. You get to see this, the top part, but everything underneath it, you don't get to see. And so. That's one of my fears, actually, with the beta, is that when people see it, they're like, oh, that's cool. It does quite a bit. But if they knew how much was underneath it and how much is going to be built on top of that, then I think they'd be really impressed. I think they'll be impressed with the beta, but I hope they are. But Right, because although they're seeing an iceberg, you know, put that on land, that's the mountain David foresaw when he first started, knowing that we were going to have to climb this mountain. I think we're now at the point where we can all see the peak. We're starting to get to that point. Um, Definitely above water. (laughs) (laughs) But that, I mean, you forget how much work it is. Like David said, when you start with a blank page and, you know, looking backwards in other projects that we've done, it seems easier, but I don't think it was. And and the amount of time we did this is kind of crazy, too, how much we've compacted in. What we've done in other projects, you know, might have taken five, six years. and, and, And we have other other duties you know we're not 100 percent. like just right 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 i mean we get a lot of time on it but there's always still the support of the ministry here at ccv that is our first i mean we gotta get that done then we can work on rock right 
Um, and it's, it's a very dynamic church, a very growing church. So. so now that we're above water and we can see the peak, the next question I have is, once we're there, we, we've been working for what you guys have been on this three or four years um, to get to that beta launch. What's on the other side? What's the future look like from there? Oh, man, there's like a million things we probably could talk about. Um, and, and that's, I guess, going back to my other comments, like, it's a frustrating part is there's so much more there under the covers that people can't see yet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one, one of the ideas we'll, we'll throw out that's not going to be in the beta, but it's going to be soon after beta is, you know, Nick talked about the passion about sharing stuff. Um, we're going to have a, a built-in, inside a rock, there'll be an app store. Um, so as people write plugins, as other churches write, you know, modules or blocks, um, they can share those blocks super easily through this app store like concept. So if you see that there's a, you know, food pantry block, that's not some, that's not something that's, that we are working on. But if, if a church has a food pantry and they want that functionality, they can write it, then they can share it with the, with the whole rest of the community, and it's a one click install and now they have a food pantry and we've lived through the difficulties of that you know we run uh me and jason and a few others run this yearly event called refresh cash and it's at that event where we i've seen and we've all seen other developers from other churches who are pretty good and they can do some interesting things maybe at smaller scale but the the ability to get what they've created that fruit and share it is just usually a challenge. We want to. We aim to make that super easy, so that you know, with a few clicks of a button, that thing that they wrote could be shared with hundreds of churches, which I think is going to be the power uh, of Rock. Right, and David and I can experience that too in, in working with you know other systems that we've written plugins that we've then in, in our freelance time in our in our own time, and we've shared those with other churches, and it's so hard to get that installed. Like we we basically wrote our own like kind of teeny tiny app store just to make it easier um and this is really going to take that concept to a whole new level and and some of these packages a lot of these packages will be free but again we, we want to create an ecosystem we want rock to be completely free to a church but if other vendors or other um entities want to create modules and, and have a pay for those modules you'll be able to get those two through the app store um, and we, and I can't emphasize that enough. I mean, that's one of the reasons why WordPress, you know, exploded. Um, that open community and people sharing made WordPress very, very popular. Right. So I think this is the best of both worlds. You, you have the free, but then you have an ecosystem that, you know, people can make a living for this. And I think because of the freeness, I think a lot of people will use it. Which, which only lowers costs for, for the people who want to still make a living at it. You know, if a person wanted to make a, you know, if there's a, a management system out there that maybe had 100 users and a person wanted to make a report and sell the report, well, he has to sell the report for like 100 bucks to make it worth his while, right? But if it's a 1,000 user or, or even a 2,000 users, he can sell it for even a couple bucks. And it's a win-win. I mean, the Apple Store did that, right? How much did software cost before the Apple Store? It was like 30 bucks was kind of like the average for like a cheap thing. And if you wanted something kind of medium price is a hundred dollars, and then it was like three hundred dollars. If it was now, if like if it's not two bucks, like we're like, well, you can't even pay two bucks for this. I mean, it's an amazing what you get. Economies of scale, right? And and just trying to kind of inversing the what does software cost, you know? So we we hope that you know by doing this, a a lot of it will be free. You know, everything everything we produce in, in for CCV is going to be. You know, it may not be in core because it doesn't it doesn't make sense to be in core. But we'll release it for free and through the app store. We think a lot of churches will, will do that, and then we hope that a whole ecosystem builds up. Where if you want a new theme, you want a new look for your external website, you just buy a theme, and maybe it's you know twenty bucks, or if it's a really really nice one, maybe it's a hundred bucks. But still, are, if you were going to go do that custom for yourself, it would have been seven eight thousand dollars, and that's probably even pretty cheap. But now you can kind of get that stuff for a lot cheaper. So that, that's one concept I can't wait to get out there. But there's tons of others. Yeah, like workflow. I know the time David was showing me something, um, how he had his block connected to a workflow, and it, it, it kicked off a workflow. It was like it blew my mind. And that's not one of the things we're really highlighting with the beta. So, David, are you excited about that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, workflow is definitely going to... Um, have a lot of potential. Um, it drives the check-in. I mean, the check-in is is not a fixed application that if you if you have to stick to the rules that we come up with. 
Um, it's very dynamic, and it, that's dynamic because it uses work, our workflow engine. Um, and as we kind of extend the features or for that, it's going to drive a lot of things. I mean, imagine just being able to, you can set up a workflow for when a particular field is changed on any entity in Rock, whether that be a person. So, you know, somebody changes a marital status, you can get a workflow to, you know, send somebody an email or put them in a group or do anything in Rock. Um, it's just kind of hard to... Um, imagine all the the possibilities that we'll be able to do with um, workflows because because it blows your mind yeah and it's frustrating that it's all it's all pretty much there in the beta but we we can't really talk about because there's still some ui that needs to be done just some of the easy stuff still needs to be done but it's all there yeah but there's a ton more features coming i mean there's a whole vision for um you know volunteer management we have that architected you know how we want it to work but it's not coded yet Mm -hmm. there's volunteer management there's event registration there's plans for that that's not in the beta that's not in in version 1.0 but it'll be soon after um all these things we have to have because we we at ccv need that so um there's a lot more coming it's just hard not to it's hard not to have you want it all right now but yeah we have to kind of ramp into that so from someone in communications, it sounds to me like if I'm at a smaller church, I'm going to be able to have resources that otherwise I couldn't afford or that I'd have to rely heavily on some professional volunteers that are difficult to find um, and that usually don't have a lot of time just by using this. Right, definitely. And, and one of the things, too, is we hope to implement best practices out of the box. So you're not stuck with the blank page, too, when it comes to, like, you know, how do you set up your website? Day one, if you go to page one, there's an external website set up for you, and it already has a nice looking website, right? And it, and it's it's already there for you. It already has ads on it, and, it, and you just have to go change, make the make the changes. Another example on the external website, when you go to the giving page, it's already set up for you, and it already has text on there for you that talks about giving and the importance of you know the, it has ministry text about giving. Now, obviously, a lot of churches are going to want to change that. That We expect that. Mm-hmm. But isn't it easier to change something than it is to create something? You can take that into your stewardship pastor or whatever, and you can say, hey, here's the, the, the boilerplate. You know, you can change the whole thing, or you can just modify this a little bit. Um, but, the, but the thing is, it's there. Um, I think that's what's different. A lot, a lot of products I've used in my career, they come out of the box, and it's like you're just kind of stuck at looking at a white screen, and you're like, I don't even know where to get started. This we've tried to, as much as we could, um, think about the standard way of doing it. And in the documentation, we talk about things like recipes for, you know, okay, groups can do a lot of things. Well, give me some examples. You know, here's some examples of how you might use groups for this type of Bible study versus a different type of Bible study. Every church does Bible studies a little bit different. So we're going to, you know, tell you about different recipes. Um, Some of them may may come out of the box, some of them may not, but... um, that's one thing we try to put a lot of thought into. Yeah, in the <clears throat> that external site that you just mentioned, um, you know, that's one of the things that's not really highlighted in the beta because we still do have to flesh that out a, a bit more and add some more functionality, like you just mentioned the uh, serving signups, small group signups. There's a few other big things that need to be on a church's like in that boilerplate website before we can say, okay, that's beta. Right. But in the beta, you can look at it. You can maybe dabble with it. You know, get get familiar with it because the concepts aren't going to change. The only thing that's going to change is, like Nick said, we're, we'll be adding more pages to that for you. Um, and in the beta process, you know, if you create a new theme for your external website, yeah, in, in the beta stage, we might make some changes that might break your theme. But, you know, go ahead and dabble with it as long as you have the understanding that that might change a bit. That's fine. So, Emily, you've been asking a lot of questions, you know, posed by the community. Um, let's turn the tables a little bit on you. So you're coming new to, the, to, to Rock. You've been with CCV two years as of yesterday. That's um, right. But you're coming new to Rock, and you're going to be really helping us with communications, which is what you do at CCV, and social media. That's what you do at CCV, kind of leading up that communications team. You know, how, do you, how do you see changing? How, what do you see coming for Rock and Spark for social media and communications? Well, there are so many exciting developments and opportunities this year um, that are 
they've been behind the scenes so far, but now they're going to be more public, more accessible. Um, because it's so flexible, there are so many things that um, could literally change someone's ministry. Um, so a big focus will be having frequent communication. And I know communication has been a little bit slower in the past because it's hard to talk about something that someone can't see yet that's still under development. Um, But there will be a lot to see. There will be a lot of things coming out. We want to have uh, communication where we can share some of the interesting apps that people want to feature, uh, development tips that someone may come up with. If there are uh, experiences um, that other churches and customers are having, stories and highlights, all of those things will help the collaboration of the entire community that uses Rock. And I'm really excited about having the ability to share that regularly in um, our newsletter, which will be coming out more frequently, and our social media channels for uh, Spark and Rock. We'll have a little more focus on Rock social media, where it's been quite a bit more Spark previously as we've been getting this going. Um, We should be able to have a lot of fun on social media. We'll do some sneak peeks, behind the scenes, uh, a lot of highlights. It'll be a good place to interact. And speaking of social media, we do have one important change rolling out here pretty soon. We are going to be changing our Rock Facebook and Twitter accounts to the, uh, the new handle, The Rock RMS. And that will be to reflect the change that we've made um, toward a relationship management system. We really want to use our communication to to facilitate um, the relationship and collaboration end of what Rock is all about. So now, with those changes on Facebook and Twitter, do we need to all then relike those things, or will those get transferred for us? Or it will. I'll be putting out some communications that make it very simple. Okay, it, it'll tell you exactly what to do. So awesome. Sounds good. And I think that's one thing we've really been lacking is is on the social media and the, and the communication. I mean, I, for the longest time, was putting out the newsletters, and it, it was really something added on that, oh, I better put a newsletter out. But now that we have you, that the first one you put out is already light years ahead of what we've done in the past. And and it's so hard when you're just heads down trying to code. It, it's like, well, do I code a little extra more, or do I write this newsletter? I'm going to code a little extra more. Yeah, you know? that's just... I don't really have that luxury. I don't code. So well, you're probably better for it. <laughs> we're better for it. Definitely, we're better for it. But we should have another newsletter coming out. Um, one more before we we launch the beta. So something to look some forward to. Some good, exciting stuff coming up on that one too. For sure. So, how can churches help? We get that a lot too. I mean, after the question of when's it ready, the next question usually is how, how can it? How can we help? And that question is gonna. The answer to that question is gonna be different in different phases of the project. Right now, we're in a phase where we are just heads down, sprinting, literally sprinting to get this this beta out. There is so much time and effort um, outside of of our normal jobs um, trying to get this ready. So, in terms of new, new developers coming in or new designers helping us, at this point, we're like we can't really take on you know extra extra help right now because that really diverts us to have to go help other people like get, get up to speed. And that time right now, the opportunity cost for that time is just way too valuable getting, getting this done. So anybody who's interested in maybe developing and designing, what I would say is go to our GitHub page, click on Wiki, and just read the whole thing. Just keep preparing, keep looking, but don't ask questions right now at this point. We're just kind of like a temporary pause on questions. Go read, go download it. If, you, if you're still inclined and you still feel like you got it, download it and, and start running it but try not to try not to be too uh, you know uh, concerned if we don't get back to you if you have a question um, just educate yourself um, that will probably change later in the year though as, as we get the 1.0 release out we, we want to build a community we want to have um, that understood um, and we might have some you know events coming up later this year that you know we'll be we'll be at that we can you know answer questions for um, so that's one area people want to get involved with is actually helping build the product. Um, another way that you can help is, you know, we've talked about some of the costs that the project has. There's hosting costs. There's our, our lawyer costs. There's our accounting <laughs> costs. Although I think we're kind of done with the lawyer, but he's right. so valuable. He's, every time I talk to him, I get so much smarter. That it's, it's a, he's a cool guy. There's some tooling costs, things we've had to buy. Software. Yeah. Um, you know, so... To date, a lot of those costs, all those costs, to be honest, have been have been um, funded by just a few sponsors. Like CCV's 
been incredible the support that they've given to this project not only are they going to use it which is you know of course they're going to use it but they've been supporting its use by other churches which is awesome to see um watermark um out in dallas has helped us financially with uh, a donation that's been very helpful in paying some of these costs you know our costs right now are minimal that's going to change a little bit as we get more costs like even our hosting costs are getting more expensive because we're actually hosting more stuff and then also Brotherhood Mutual, uh, a very large insurer of churches, has given us a very um, a nice donation to help us, um, you know, just pay for these costs. So another way you could help us is is by donating. Um, that donation helps relieve the burden from a few people and spreads it across. Um, you know, one of the th- one of the thoughts that we have as we get out there is is this building a vision on ten percent. And you know, one of the thoughts we have is like as you stop using your software and to use this free software, consider, you know, donating even just 10% of what you used to pay um, to help us continue this. I mean, we have thoughts too within Spark. We, we, there's some stuff we want to do for, for Rock that, um, you know, for example, like a, we, we see, you know, uh, 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 benevolence is, you know, something most churches do, tracking benevolence. One problem with benevolence, and if you talk to a lot of your benevolence directors, they'll, they'll have stories like this, is that there are a certain number of people, they're very few, but they're there, that will go from church to church down the street asking for benevolence. Um, now, most churches have some kind of process to protect against that, but one of the, one of the dreams that we have is what if, what if Rock could share at a very high level some benevolence information with other churches so that when that happens, you can see, oh, this person, the same exact person has gotten benevolence at these other churches. So we at, at, from Spark would love to put that software out for free that churches can download and put into their Rock. And there's lots of different like other products that we or, or services we'd like to provide through Rock for free um, that we want to get done that that, that that will have money and, and, and costs associated with it. So we, that's where we see a lot of these donations going for is this keeping Rock going with the expenses, keeping the development of Rock going, but then also creating these these services that we can provide for free. Um, you know, there's other services that we have in mind too. That in keeping the the rock store going, there's other services we have in mind that we'd really love to do for free, and that these donations would help with. That said, if you, if your church really can't do that, that's fine. Use use rock. If you're if you're a small church and you have no software, well, ten percent of nothing is still nothing. So go ahead, <laughs> you know, just use it. And if that's just something you can't push through, that's fine. You know, in no case do we want you to think that that you have to do this. It's just a suggestion. If you you know believe in, in in kind of where we're going with the vision, then you want to see it continued. That's just you know one of the things you can do. If you can't do anything, you know if you're a small church you can't pay, and if you if you don't have the technology skills to help us, the one thing you can do is pray. And we say that in every newsletter, and we don't just mean it. Like we don't just like put like words out there and say, well, we just just pray for us. You know, we really do mean it. If you look at what we're trying to do and what we've accomplished so far, it's way beyond the capabilities of any one of us in this room. Um, the fact that where we are today is amazing. Like, it's beyond any of us. So, you know, we feel like God's really leading us on, on a path. But we know that can change in our own hearts. Like, if, if we get backwards or something, you know, that, that could all be removed. Mm-hmm. So pray for us. You know, we, we really mean that. You know, don't... It's very common the church will just say, oh, pray for us. You know, but we really do mean that. And, and as I've told John, stop right now and pray for a minute and then resume this podcast right because sometimes i i do that in life too i'm like oh i'm gonna pray for you and i mean how many times have we done that when we forgot like that's like, something i'm working on but and i have trying to build systems for but um i do i am guilty of that sometimes oh everyone is yeah i'm good i'm glad i'm glad it's not just me that's just you and nick <laughs> okay, not everyone almost everyone <laughs> Some people are really good at catching that and, you know, and doing that, stopping immediately and praying, which is a good habit. It is. So those are the questions I think that we got, you know, f- to date. But I would say keep the questions coming in. Um, how often we do a podcast is going to be kind of dependent on, on the feedback we get from this one. Mm-hmm. If it's valuable... You know, let us know if it's not valuable. Um, I guess just don't let us know. We'll just assume it wasn't valuable. <laughs> um, we can pick up on subtleties. We don't like harsh criticism. Um, one thing I do would say about this this podcast, we talked about a lot of things, and we talked a lot about a lot of technology. If you didn't understand half the things that we talked about in terms of technology, it's okay. You don't have to understand a lot of technology to use Rock. Um, the installer is super simple. 
Um, you can do a lot of things without having to know anything about programming or, or develop web development. So don't let the, the technology that we talked about scare you off. Um, but do just keep in mind that as in any, anything in life, you'll get out of rock what you put into rock. It's rock is not some magic, you know, piece of software that also in your ministry is just totally great. You know, you know, you can just enter in really bad data and you're going to get good data back out. It's not going to happen. You'll get out of rock what you put into it. Um, but you don't necessarily have to have technical skills to get something out of rock. Will you get more out of rock if you have technical skills? Yes, but you can still get a ton of benefit um, and not have the tech, the, the technical skills. So don't let the technical like mumbo jumbo that we just talked about scare you off. It's, you know, we're, we're trying to speak to many different audiences in this one podcast. So sounds good. And I, I know just from thinking about it from the communications perspective, without the technical background, I can immediately see how this would be beneficial, especially in the small church world where there aren't a lot of resources. So I would second that. Definitely. Well, Emily, thanks for putting this on for us. Sure. Yeah. Thank you. This episode of Rockcast is brought to you by Rock sponsor IT OneSource. Any IT products and services solutions can be acquired through IT OneSource. Connect with them today at rockrms.com/sponsors. <laughs>